Welcome to Food Friends. I'm Carrie. And I'm Sonia. We met in Los Angeles over 15 years ago as private chefs and haven't stopped talking about food since. We created Food Friends to share our stories and recipes with each other and you. We're so glad you're here. Hi, it's Carrie. Welcome to the first episode of our second season of Food Friends. We're excited to be back together after our summer break, feeling recharged and ready to get back into the kitchen and to cook with each other and you. We're so glad you've joined us for a fun season of conversations about what we're cooking and what we're eating. We're also planning for a few special guests that we're excited to connect with, so be sure to subscribe if you're not already. Today, we're kicking off with a fun conversation about our favorite fall foods, and it's going to include some of the flavors and dishes that come to mind, like apples and pears and pumpkins, but with some unexpected flavors and genius tips too. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for our favorite fall dishes. Hey, Sonia. Hi, Carrie. Oh, I'm so excited to see you. Can you believe it? It's like every time I think about it, first of all, it feels like no time has passed and it also feels like it's been ages, years since I've seen you on the podcast. Yes. And I'm so excited to be back in this groove with you and this space of like connecting every week and sharing all of our thoughts about food. We took a break in the summer and that was really fulfilling. Yeah. It made me realize, you know, when we started this project, like in such the spirit of connecting with each other, having a reason to collaborate, even though we no longer live near each other. And it gave me so much gratitude that we have this space because we really didn't talk that much this summer. That's great. Like, I'm glad we both rested and did what we were doing and were present in our lives. But like, I was like, I miss having Carrie in my regular life. And like, this is the whole point of this podcast. And it's just, it just made me really appreciative. For our listeners, you know, our last episode of of our first season was our visit together. Being in the same city together, cooking together, eating together, that really carried me through those two months that we took off. There are so many times, always before, but certainly even more now where like I'll be in my kitchen cooking something and think about you or make something that you've made, make something that reminds me of you or a conversation with you. And so I feel like having been with you in the same space relatively recently. It was like that filling of your tank that, you know, like the filling of your cup. Like it really filled my cup. Camel over the course of a <laughs> desert. <laughs> we no, it's true though. You're right. It was like we ended on we ended on like a real re like fill up of our friendship. Like we were yes. able to spend all this really concentrated time together and before yeah. taking this you know, couple month break. And yeah, I'm excited to get going. I think we have a lot of exciting things that are going to happen this season. We have some special guests on our way and just personal developments and just fun stuff to talk about. So I'm looking forward to all of it. I'm looking forward to all of it too. Today, we thought that we would talk about the fall and what is going to be coming, arriving at the farmer's market, what's already at the farmer's market, and what are we excited to cook this? What's what's on your fall cooking to-do list? Just like what I'm so excited to know. You know, in August when it's like, I, I don't, it's a little different in LA, but in the Northwest, and it's progressively hotter every summer. So August is usually very, very hot. But at night, there's always like this kind of subtle, cool breeze. And then there's like this one tree in the neighborhood that every August, like end of August, turns 
red a little bit and it turns red mm. first. And it's like, for me, as someone who loves fall more than any other season, I get so, so excited. And I have to say, I think part of the love of fall is the love of what's going to be happening at the market yeah. over you know, yes. September, October, November. Like I am so excited because it's this real, cro- no matter where you are, whether you're in California or you know here in the Northwest, when you're in North America and fall comes, you get kind of the tail end of summer produce tr- and it stays around. It kind of lasts for a while and then you start getting into all the winter stuff. It's exciting. Well, it's this really interesting clash. I'm amazed by this idea that a peach and a nectarine and a melon are sitting next to like a winter squash and mushrooms and apples. And in my mind, there are these sort of four distinct seasons. But this time, there's this real richness that we experience in both weather and in nature and in the farmer's market. Some of the days are really hot and then they'll cool off or they're hot during the day and it's cool at night. And the the trees start to respond to some of that, right? And, and that first morning we were here, it's a little, again, different in LA, but here the first morning when I have to turn on the heat yeah. and like put on a cozy sweater, it's just yeah. like my total joy. It's also why I really love that cookbook, Six Seasons by uh, Joshua McFadden and Martha Holmberg, which we can link in the show notes, because I think there really are in many places, again, in North America, it depends where you live, but where there are these kind of six seasons, it's not just four. And this is to me like the major season, the late fall. And I think in Chinese medicine, late um, summer, early fall is a distinct season. Like there's things you eat and do for your health. And because you kind of have to recalibrate your body, the changing temperatures, the changing light, all the things that like impact us. But okay, Carrie, what's your number one? Like I can't wait to get in the kitchen and make... What is it? Well, I'll confess that I just made it and I'm excited to make it again. (laughs) Is a dish that I think a lot of people know about, but maybe have never made it before. Maybe that's just my experience. Last year, no, two years ago, around this time of year, I made ratatouille for the first time. And, And I made it for like Halloween. We had some friends over for Halloween. And so I made like a ratatouille that I ended up sort of tossing with pasta. But the the ratatouille that I make is a recipe from Melissa Clark, and you basically roast the the peppers, the eggplant, onions and garlic, um, zucchini, all – you roast them all separately, and then there's a tomato element that goes into them, and then you roast them – then you put them all together once they've all been roasted, and then you roast them again, so they kind of become a bigger sum than their parts. I made this dish – last week and we've been like piling it onto like crusty bread. But to me, it also is like a moment that actually this ratatouille in four weeks will get even better because the tomatoes actually get better as the fall goes on. Like as they're- Is that your experience? You like the late- That's my experience. Interesting. I don't find that as true here up north, but I do think lesser tomatoes are great for ratatouille though. Like in the summer when it's hot, like you can't get me to turn on the oven. Like I just can't. We don't have AC in our house. Right, I'm right. just like so over the sum, over the oven by August. I like can't even think about it. So like I get excited about recipes where we have to turn on the oven again. And ratatouille, yes. I'm so glad you brought up ratatouille because it's been one of my go-to dishes for many years. And my absolute favorite version of it is 
totally different than the one you just described. Oh my gosh. Wait, tell me, so tell me what how you do it. You know how much I love Smitten Kitchen and Deb Perlman. But yeah, when I was private chefing, I think she posted this recipe even back then. And what she does, it was like inspired by the look of the ratatouille in the movie Ratatouille. <laughs> Which so, is so you know, in the, Yes. It's so sweet. And in yes. that movie, you know, there's like paper thin slices of each vegetable. It's like very elegant. Uh-huh. And so what she does is she, you get a baking dish, you put like tomato sauce on the bottom with garlic and thyme. And then on top of them, you stack rounds beautifully of mandolin zucchini eggplant pepper and I think that's it and you, I usually use two different kind colors of zucchini I'll do like a yellow and a green I think she does too and they're just and so then like as it cooks the tomato sauce from the bottom kind of like bubbles up into the vegetables and you like drizzle it with olive oil and maybe you put herbs on top I haven't made it in a little while and it's one of those dishes like when you bring out if guests are over it's so beautiful that everyone just is like wow and it's actually so simple and you're inspiring me to make it right away. I mean, I got to say like the version that I just made, it it presents well. There's a lot of different colors and it's in a cat, you know, I put it into a casserole dish and actually this time I put a little bit of feta on top because mm. I was sort of serving it with like uh toasty bread. But like the version that you're describing is so elevated. It really is like the very chefy, the the chefy <laughs> version, but but to your point, it comes out looking chefy, but it's really simple in its preparation. It would never make ratatouille in the winter because the flavors of all those vegetables, I mean, they get so concentrated at this time of year. I would also offer that I think late season peppers are so intense. You know, like a late season bell pepper, the longer that they're kind of like growing and been sitting and that plant's been sitting in the sun, I just think it concentrates the flavor so much. And so then when you roast it all together, it's just such an explosion of beautiful flavors that to me symbolizes fall, right? This explosion. Yeah. And you're taking things that, especially like the tomato elements, you're taking pepper elements that you were probably eating fresh in the summer. You maybe were eating them in salads, you're maybe eating them raw. And it's that transition. Yeah. They're they're so crunchy. I mean, like you just said, you know, you don't even like to turn on your oven because you don't have air conditioning. And in the heat of the summer, I completely agree. You want like a cold cucumber, a cold pepper instead of like a hot lasagna or something like that. But this is the symbol of that of the season. You put everything together in a pot and it just tastes better. And just to wrap up ratatouille, because I do think that's like such a brilliant way to start. I'm so glad you started it because I really think it speaks to everything we just said, which is it's like this ultimate seasonal transitional dish. I also make a version of it that's totally without a recipe, without any thought where like, especially if I have extra zucchini, extra eggplant, some tomato paste around, some peppers, I just throw that all cubed up in a casserole dish with some onion and garlic and let it just roast all together until it basically becomes ratatouille. And it's almost something like my my grandmother made this all the time and she would make a version of it that she would just kind of serve as a starter salad. Like it's almost like a cross between a salad and a dip. Like she would serve it either at room temperature or cold. And I think Italians have a similar dish. And you just kind of like as a spread on a bread or just even as a side, just such a nice – way to use up all those vegetables. Well, I mean, that's what it came out of is like the this bounty end of summer as all the summer crops are like are sort of 
fizzling out, right? They're just giving their last input and and then all the the winter crops are starting to produce. And I find it hard to control myself at the market this time of year. This is the moment when I'm like really need a cart or something. Yes. Um, I can't control myself. I actually find it more overwhelming than peak summer. There's something about yeah. peak fall like that I just can't. It's too much bounty, too much abundance, too much yeah. beauty, like all those dark purples and reds and the oranges. It's like so beautiful. So let me ask you, like, because I gave you my ratatouille, like what's at the top of your list? You know, I've thought a lot about this um, <laughs> leading up to us talking. Like just yesterday, you know, sometimes to get inspiration, I like to look through old cookbooks and I love to collect like obscure random cookbooks too. So I had recently picked up this incredible Russian cookbook from the 90s and I'd never seen it anywhere before. I think it was only printed once. And it's just such a beautiful book. And I love reading it because it reminds me so much of dishes my grandmother made all the time that maybe I haven't had a long time, had in a long time. And so working it, right? And so I just, it's like every year I just seem to want to cook more and more just what she cooked. (laughs) And like, I keep circling back to that, like her kitchen, my experience there. And especially this time of year, there's a lot of Jewish holidays. There's a lot of gatherings in September, October, November, December. That's like, there's a concentration of holidays every single month or something. And so I have all these memories of being at her table this time of year in the Northwest. And so And I was looking through this book and I realized like one thing that she did a lot was stuffed vegetables, like all kinds of stuffed vegetables. So she always did stuffed peppers. And I feel like that's not something I make enough in my life. And it's so good. What did she stuff her peppers with? So she always either did just a vegetarian version with like rice and carrots and onion and garlic, like really simple stuff the pepper add a little like tomato sauce to the rice mixture and then also cook it in tomato sauce. Like let it, you know, simmer in it, either, yeah. either in the oven or on a stovetop with a lid on, uh, on a pot. She also would do like a mixture of ground turkey or chicken with the rice. So if there was like a meat version of stuffed batter, I mean, this is not like revolutionary. This is like very classic Eastern European and Russian and Soviet Ukrainian. Every part of that region has some, you know, kind of similar stuffed pepper dish. Uh, so that's something she made a lot that I feel like I haven't done enough in my life. But I was like, there's all these other actually like Soviet recipes for stuff, stuffed vegetables, stuffed squashes. You know, it makes me think of that stuffed pumpkin recipe you and I love. But like, I want to play around more with stuffing things. <laughs> and also another one that she made a lot that I almost never make and so, sort of like was like fond of is stuffed mushrooms. And we're getting oh into God. mushroom season. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Did you ever grow up eating stuffed mushrooms? It was such like an 80s, 90s thing. I definitely grew up eating stuffed mushrooms. I will confess to you that last week when I was at the farmer's market, I bought some not too big, not too small potatoes for baking, like a literal russet kind of potato. And I baked them all, like while I was in the kitchen cooking other things, I just baked the potatoes. And then while they were still warm, I scooped them to make twice baked potatoes. And I have not yet done them. So I... We're channeling the same idea of stuffing vegetables. I have always dreamed of making stuffed peppers, but I don't know that I've actually done it or stuffed a stuffed eggplant or a stuffed squash because it's such a stunning thing to look at. 
and it's such a stunning presentation, right? But and you get it's a, such a great dish to make in advance. Like it holds up really totally, well. Like you can reheat totally. it several times. It takes a little bit of work, which is why I always make a big batch if I'm doing it because it holds up so well and freezes yeah. well. Yes, that's a great. That's another great point. But it also to me is: Do I want my baked potatoes to my stuffed baked potatoes have like? bacon in them. Like I definitely grew up in the 80s and 90s having potato skins where it's like cheese (laughs) and sour cream and bacon. and But then there's also the version of you can saute up some greens and spin it basically like a spinach and artichoke kind of stuffing, which would of course be vegetarian. So I think this space lends itself so well to does someone eat meat? What kind of meat do they like to eat? Do they not want any meat at all? Like my family really goes back and forth. Like we definitely eat meat, but we like to eat a lot of vegetarian things. I would love to stuff those potato skins with pinto beans and, Mm. you know, some vegetables, you know, like the three sisters, corn and squash. You could do like a saute mix of that and put a little cheese on top. And I want to know all the things that your grandmother used to stuff vegetables with. You know, the other thing I think she totally would have done right now is I'm sure she would have used quinoa. Thinking about like a quinoa and lentil stuffed pepper, a quinoa and lentil stuffed squash. As we're talking, I'm realizing like maybe this is the perfect fall food because you still have peppers, right? And they're heartier. They're like almost thicker. They're not as tender. Totally. So they're really good for stuffing. And you also have squash, which nothing is heartier than a squash. And you also have mushrooms. You have all these vessels for stuffing. And then it's like really a time to get into grains and legumes or ground meats. And there was one other stuff thing that this reminded me of was I love quince, something I get really excited about if we're talking about fall produce. Do you ever buy or use quince? I mean, I got to be honest. I'm always so fascinated by quince when I see them. I think like, whoa, what is this thing? Oh, right. It's so pretty. It's so golden. But I just and I've looked for quince recipes and like the only thing I can see is that you make quince paste and call it a day. I don't know how to cook quince at all. And I think that they're so obscure. Yeah, they are. You know, part of it is we have a friend who has a tree and it's very hard to use up all your Yeah. It's very hard to use up all your own quince unless you're really making membrio like that quince sort of jelly jam. It's like a paste almost. It's basically yeah. a quince paste that's common yeah. in Spain that they serve with cheese. But also there's only so much of that you can eat. So it's like <laughs> if you have a quince tree, you're usually sharing the fruit. And so I've been you know, so happy to receive extra quince. And it hold, keeps for a really long time, like even on the counter. It keeps for like a solid month, I found. But oh, wow. I, I love to make like a quince jam or quince butter. Sure, that's great. It's very floral. It's like an if an apple was infused with flowers and honey. That's what quince oh. tastes like. And we should have especially started a good with quince. that. We should have started with that. <laughs> if an apple was infused with honey. Yeah. And flowers. And yeah. flowers. To me, that's the flavor of quince. I started to find like, I wanted to do more creative things with quince. And one year I found this uh, Yotam Otolenghi recipe for stuffed quince with lamb. Actually, it may be uh, Sammy Tamimi and Yotam. It may be from Jerusalem. I'll have to figure out which book it was from. And link that, but basically they, you know, scoop out quince and they s- stuffed it with like a ground lamb mixture with sort of Middle Eastern spices, 
And that, you know, roasts with, I think, probably a little liquid, braising liquid. And that was really delicious and unexpected. Also, I always cook and roast turkey with quince. It just adds a little bit of sweetness. So I'll put it the turkey on top of quince. I'll also put turkey inside it at Thanksgiving. Because again, it lasts for so long. I usually have quince into Thanksgiving. And I find like that. I didn't even know this about you, that you always – like there are these revelations. Like I remember when you were like, I always put parsnips in broth. And I'm like, what? (laughs) And now you're like, every time I roast my Thanksgiving turkey (laughs) – do it with quince. It's true. As a Midwesterner at birth and, you know, half of my heart is Midwestern. I'm just like, where do quince even grow? I don't even know. I mean, I've seen them here at the farmer's market, but there is maybe one farmer that brings them. And I am so derelict. I don't, I don't even know what to do with a quince. So the fact that you have a neighbor, friend that has a tree, that you keep the quince so much every year that you use it for your Thanksgiving turkey, that's insane. It's so special. So I get excited about that. Did you grow up knowing about quince too? Did your grandmother use them too? Yes. Yeah, okay. not um, super often because I don't think we had like the same kind of hookup. And they're not right. always sold in stores and weren't then. And my grand- grandmother wasn't like a farmer's market goer. And there weren't even that many farmer's markets then. Right, but right. yeah, I don't know. So when she would get her hands on them, if she encountered any interesting produce, she loved to experiment with it. So, yeah. you know, that's how she sort of, I think, like got into Hubbard squash, like we've talked about before yeah. and other squashes. But what else like comes to mind on your list of this is fall to me, like fall has officially begun when I make this dish. I'll share a little, a similar experience in preparing for our conversation. Like you said, you were looking at some old cookbooks. I like to save uh, clippings from magazines. So I got out a couple of my folders. And one of the ideas that came forward so strongly for me was the idea of savory and sweet and how they really mix a lot in this season. So just in what we're talking about, like this quince, which is a fruit and it's, there's a sweetness to it, honey and apples and flowers, and that you're cooking that with savory things like lamb or turkey. And I think there's so much of a play of these ideas. Like, yes, I'm so thrilled when our farmers start bringing their like crisp new crap apples. And and this is an experience I think everybody has in the fall, regardless of where you are in the country. I mean, I guess not in the world, but certainly in the country is the crispness of the new crop of apples is amazing. And everyone wants to eat them out of hand and slice them and, you know, put peanut butter on them or whatever. But then there's also all these savory versions of like, you can roast an apple and put it in a salad or you can you know, there's also pears, which this is obviously the season of pears and they're, they are so f- much more fleeting than apples. They don't last for as long. And so, you know, you can put like a pear or a roasted pear into a salad or a grain salad. So then you get these like savory and sweet elements. You can cook squash savory and sweet and you can mix them with other things like celery and onions and mushrooms and so then you get this earthiness and this sweetness and I'm excited for that sort of clashing of flavors as well. Wait, do you really often roast your apples and pears for salads? Well, sometimes I do. Yes. And this season for sure. Also like you can roast a pear and put it in a salad with some arugula, like that spicy and sweet together are amazing. No, I love a pear in a salad. I have never roasted it for a salad. Oh, I've really? I've roasted an apple for a salad. I love that idea. I mean, I've roasted apples. I love like a baked apple actually as a dessert, like stuffed yes. with, you know, you can stuff it or not. But like I even liked a little stuff with like nuts and currants and brown sugar or something like that. 
I or love even, the simple stuffing. That was another thing that came forward for me was like you can just buy granola and sprinkle something crunchy on top. You could make some kind of like crumbly topping. But then there's also the throw a bunch of apples slash pears into a dish, bake them with like a crumbly topping. Then you've got like an apple crumble or a pear crumble or a mixed fruit crumble. crumble. I've done peaches, apples, grapes, put them all in, bake them all together, put something no. in. Yes. Yes. Do you put all, all them together? Do them all together, wow. man. They, it's like that. ratatouille. It's like a sweet <laughs> ratatouille. <laughs> I love that. I've never done that. I mean, again, I've done all those things separately. I love the idea of roasting pears and apples for salads, like for a grain salad or even just like a arugula and blue cheese salad or something classic like that. That's so smart. I've really never done that. I only ever do it fresh. Do I love any kind of cooked pear? And I particularly like, you know, summer is supposed to be pie season in some ways. Like, you know, we even had a whole episode about it and like all the fruit pies and all the stone fruit and all those things. But for me, pie season is really fall. That's like when I actually want to make pie. Yeah. And yeah. galettes. And like at the top of my list is a pear galette. I actually started sometimes also at Thanksgiving. I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but I started to make pear galettes for Thanksgiving as one of the pie offerings. And then I just do some like candied cranberries on top. So I, I roast the, I mean, I, I bake the galette with the pears and you can kind of slice them beautifully. And then after it's baked, I'll put like little candied cranberries on top that look like little jewels. But I oh just love a pear galette. And, I, and I've actually done in the fall, I'll do a savory pear galette to your point of this clashing of flavors. Yes. What I'll do is get, take a galette dough with like no sugar, right? Just like kind of a straightforward pie, buttered pie dough. Right. And then, or you could use puff pastry for this. And then I thinly slice pear and I dot it with goat cheese and top yeah. it with thyme. And that yeah. to me is like as a great little lunch main or appetizer or just like a, just a savory tart. But you've just made my point, which is just like this is when you see like the most beautiful cheese platters with pears and apples and persimmons and bunches of thyme and all these things. It's so funny. We are like the same person because a few years ago I found this recipe for it was called a pear slab pie. And, oh, yeah. and you use puff pastry and you basically make it's encased in pastry puff pastry. But what it had in it, instead of cranberries, which you put on yours, is it had dried sour cherries, which I love. Yeah. So yes. then you get these sweetness of the pears and then the tartness of the cherries. Pears really welcome a tart compliment because they're quite sweet. And in a way, they're almost one note. Like apples have more tartness to them typically. I think mm -hmm. pears are like a mellower, sweeter flavor. So they just pair so nicely with something acidic. The pears pair nicely. The pears pair nicely. <laughs> but you also just said one of the other things on my list that I really wanted to talk to you about, which is persimmon. I have such a love-hate relationship with them. I just- I was curious so where you stand. Oh, our, this podcast is like revealing so many of my, uh, you know, my strong opinions about food that I typically try to keep <laughs> to myself. But you know, they're everywhere in the fall here, especially yeah. like people have trees of them. They're all over the neighborhood. They're all over the farmer's market. They're beautiful. They're colorful. I generally am not sure what to do with them. And I always buy them and then I'm stressed about what to do with them. Do I just slice them and do I let them get soft? And so tell well, me, I'm sure ones? You, like this is a, I know. This is an important question. Which are you talking about? Fuyus, which are squatter, firmer, meant to be eaten firm, yeah. and and then there's the hychia, is that how you say it? Which are oblong, and yeah. you're really not supposed to eat them until they're squishy like Jello because 
when you eat them when they're not totally ripe, they are very astringent. They are scratching the throat. So there's two varieties of persimmons. So are you talking about both varieties, one variety? I mean, I'm talking about the category. Whole category. Persimmons kind of stress me out. And then I'm delighted by them. Usually buy a Fuyu because if I buy the this, the Hashia, I think that's how you say it, the, the ones that you're supposed to let get soft. I find I'm not good at figuring out when they're going to get soft. And so putting them in my refrigerator and then expecting everyone to not smash things onto them is kind of hard. So I feel well, like I wouldn't put them in my I keep them out on my counter. Right. I, right. I keep them out until they're to- those ones. I keep out on my counter until they're totally mushy. They kind of start to brown and then this is what I do. I scoop that out into like a container like a jar and I love that topped on like a yogurt for a breakfast like or a parfait. I don't know, at the restaurant one year we just got a ton of them. So what I did was I scooped it all out and then I used it for persimmon bread. Like you would make right. a banana bread and that I find delicious. But I tend to buy more if I buy or pick. We also have trees everywhere in the neighborhood. Everywhere. Like we have so yeah. many persimmon trees around. And I tend to prefer fuyu because you can eat them sort of like at various stages of firmness and they always right. are kind of good. But I just make Like an so apple. Many- you eat them like an apple. You can totally eat them like an apple, which I do, but my favorite way is really in a chicory or radicchio salad because I love that combination, again, of sweetness, saltiness, bitter. So I make a very like tangy lemon vinaigrette with shallot usually, and I dress like the chicories, the radicchio in that. And then I do like very thin slices of persimmon and then toasted crumbled pecan or a toasted walnut. I can eat that salad all fall. Just to kind of highlight, because I've had this salad before that you've made. Is like it is stunning to look at because if you've got a frisee that's kind of that like white, light green color, and then you've got a radicchio, which is like a deep magenta, and then you've got this orange persimmon, just like color wise, it's like such a stunning experience. Yeah, I just like pretty things. So I know. I mean, such we, pretty things. We eat with our eyes first. It's just that's a fact. Oh, I want to go back to I want to go back to apples. And one of the things that I really love to do, especially in the fall, is make a skillet apple pie. One of the things that I love to do is slice apples like in rounds, and then I fry them in butter. Mm. And um, and then I pile them all in and I fry them in butter in a cast iron skillet. I so I have to do it in batches and I sort of fill up the skillet and then I cover it with pie dough and bake it. And then you can serve it a la mode. That's one of my favorite fall desserts. I love a cast iron skillet for pies. And I'll even do a bottom crust in a cast iron skillet. And I actually really? read their science behind this. Like there's something apparently we should not be making our baked pies in those glass pie dishes. Because you know how like things cook differently in metal and glass and certain. Yeah. uh, a ceramic. And actually, I just found a enameled cast iron pie dish at a garage sale for like a couple bucks. Do you know what I mean? Like it's imagine a Le Creuset made a pie dish. I'm really excited to try pie in that, like baking it in that because the cast iron does something so nice to pie dough. And I don't Mm. think it will be as nice in enameled cast iron because the color of metal affects how something bakes. So the thing about like a black cast iron is it darkens your crust so nicely and your skillet apple pie is to die for. It's amazing. Well, I mean, what when you start with apples cooked in butter, it's like a real (laughs) in-season apples cooked in butter. 
water topped with pie dough and served with ice cream. Like who's not going to love that? I'm starving. I'm like, I'm, <laughs> I I'm so hungry right now. I know. I feel I'm like so- we're just, we're just like getting, there's so much more to talk about. And I almost feel like the other topics, save them. We have a lot to well, get through well, this season. Yeah, well, we'll parcel them out a little bit, but this is, I just have to say, it's such a joy to be back in this space with you. And this is such an amazing season to start a new season of our podcast together because there's just so much good food to cook and eat and experience in the coming days and weeks. Like I just can't wait to talk about all of it with you. And I have so much more to learn. I always keep learning from you. I mean, I really miss these conversations. They, I forget how much they get me excited to cook more and then to talk about it more. And, you know, there's no one in the world I want to do that more than with you. So I'm so, so happy we're back. There's so much more to come. I can't wait. We'll have a beautiful weekend and I will talk to you soon. See you next week. Bye. Thanks for being our food friend. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe, leave us a review and share this episode with friends. We love hearing from you, so follow us on Instagram or drop us a line at foodfriendspodcast.com. Yes, we'd love to hear from you and your food friends. Happy cooking and eating. Bye.